the way your back might bend or right. your neck or the way your fingers would twitch after electric shock therapy. Like the certain repetitive motions that happen that your brain stem makes your body do are, I think, really beautiful. You are listening to the official podcast of the Horrible Imaginings Film Festival, where we brought an analysis of stigmatized creative expression in film, art, and literature to understand the misunderstood. Your host is Miguel Rodriguez. So I'm sitting in my living room with my friend Anna Yanushkevich. Okay. That's for that's what I get for reading a lot of Dostoevsky. <laughs> By the way, we're in my apartment, and if you hear planes and cars, that's why. Yeah, it's really good background noise. I like it. It's Sunday afternoon on August 2nd, and I have been mad with festival preparation, so it's been a good three weeks since my last episode. But I had to bring Anna in here because she's a San Diego fixture. One of the good things about living in San Diego, one of the few great things that isn't weather related about living in San Diego except she's moving to San Francisco or Bay Area Bay Area somewhere where are you moving I'm moving to the peninsula but you know it's easier to say San Francisco cuz nobody knows what the hell that is well i guess people know where the silicon valley is yeah it's where, it's where google is and apple so you just want to live somewhere phallic i'm going <laughs> to i'm going to live in the google in the Google, and that's Google. better. That's a better place. It's a better place for me, you know? Especially because I'm uh, getting into security more, computers and stuff. Really? Yeah, I'm switching my field a little bit. Are you uh, lying? No, I'm not lying. You're getting into computer security? Yeah, dude, I've always... Yeah. Really? How yeah. did I not know this? Yeah. I knew about the animal stuff. Yeah, I mean, I've, <laughs> I'm still always going to be in the medical field because I love it, and I love the scientific, cellular, bloody chaos of it so I'll, I'm still always going to continue with that but as a second career I am doing security and so wait, one day I'll be a good little I've pushed the envelope here as much as I could and anything else is just like going to go over people's heads and it's like like I have to take what I have and move to another area yeah. that is already more comfortable with the amount of the intensity of weirdness that um, I'm going to provide. Yeah, the Peninsula <laughs> should do. Um, I definitely think San Francisco has a higher respect for art. Yes. You don't have to tell people that there's going to be alcohol at the event for them to show up. That is, is very San Diego, isn't it? It, it is. Yeah. It's like, I, I always know, like, if there's not a bar at my event, there's going to be half the amount of people that are going to be there if there, if there is. That is, is something very of, shitty about San Diego. Kind of shitty. Yeah. yeah. It's a little shitty. Um, makes me a little sad that everyone's an alcoholic here. But um, that's okay. <laughs> that is okay. I'm okay with it. You're okay with it because you can leave. Yeah. I'm stuck here. Uh, I'm all alone. I, I guess you'll have to have a bar at every single I event. can't. My festival's <laughs> at a museum now. I know. It's, I'm doomed. So you're doomed. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe... Um, Maybe you can... That's just it. I mean, with film, there's not there are only so many places I can do it. There are only so many venues. Yeah. It's the same with me. I mean, there's only so many venues that have an aerial hookup. Yeah. Uh, a lot of venues that I've been to in San Diego have actually had to install the hookup myself. Um, also, people are very uncomfortable with fire. 
because they think when you light a match, the entire building will explode, <laughs> which is actually, it's really hard to set fires. I don't know if people have tried to set things on fire before, but it's actually hard. It's not like in the movies. It's where... not like in the movies. And I mean, I mean, if you've been camping ever in your life and you've tried to start a fire, you can understand that when you're pouring fuel on dry wood, it can't even fucking start. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> like, what do you think is actually going to happen here? I love in movies where there's like gasoline and someone flicks a cigarette and, and it's this it's, huge conflagration. Yeah. yeah, it's like an atomic bomb like... going off. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not really how that works, but um, yeah, a lot of venues here, they get, they get nervous about fire and people hanging from their ceiling and they bring up blood or snakes and then it's just... All right, well, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. So let's first off, for anyone who doesn't know who you are, which this should be a paltry view of you, although I have actually a worldwide audience, so it's actually going to be a lot of you. But uh, talk about yourself. This is What do you do, Anna? Why, why are you with me? Ah, what do I do? What do I love to do? I love to to make people a little bit uncomfortable. A good reason why you're here. We like that. Yeah, because that's when people... That's when there's a little bit of chaos in your brain and you can make different choices for yourself in your life, right? And my method for doing that is performance art. Um, it used to be just visual art. I used to just paint a shit ton. Um, and I would always try to pick subjects that people were not necessarily comfortable discussing. And I was always training for dance and stuff at the time. And I didn't really make the connection of, like, you can take both the visual weird art that I was making and movement and combine it until much later. That's kind of how it happened, is um, creating images and lines and using music and sometimes smells to uh, put people in just a different headspace. Smells are definitely a part of it sometimes. Sometimes they are, whether it's blood or incense, or it, it definitely kind of shocks you out of your reality, and that's sort of what I am always trying to do with people. Let's go back to Little Anna. Would you say that the dance came before the visual art in that capacity? Um, you Did know, you start as a little girl in Russia, like with honestly, no, little dance the, shoes on? The, uh, I see. I have this like fantasy before you answer. Of, like this little pink ballerina. Not ju- yes, actually, <laughs> not just a little pink ballerina, which is I, I do <laughs> a fantasy. I do have, but I also have like little pink ballerina Anna, but this really mean dance instructor who's like this Russian I've had insane a few of those. Yes. who wants you to break your toes and stuff like that. I've had a few of those, yeah. <laughs> um, but honestly, the the visual part of it came first because both of my parents. <laughs> are artists they both are they both paint so growing up having a, a pen or pencil in my hand and a pad of paper in front of me was like as normal as having breakfast mm-hmm. with your family like it was like yeah we all draw together my mom's an art teacher so i would just go to her classes with her and i would either just sit there in the back and draw or i would participate and at some point when i was old enough i would actually help her teach because she does not speak the best English. <laughs> and I, you know, obviously I speak better English than her. And so I would help her because you have to. In a, in a Russian family, you have to. So I just started drawing and painting as much as I could. And that was, it was like, uh, you know, people keep diaries. I kept mm-hmm. a sketchbook. Like, that was normal for me. 
So that came first, and that kind of, I, I think very visually as well. Like some people think in words, I think more in pictures. And so it was just another way of processing my thoughts and my ideas mm -hmm. and putting them on paper and kind of creating the image and the, um, the feeling and scenario that I wanted. And at some point it was not enough to just have a painting. So I was like, okay, well, how can we make this more intense? Like it's always, that's always the game for me, right? It's like, how do I make this more intense for people? And so from there it was like, okay, well, we'll add dance, we'll add this, we'll add this, we'll add fire, we'll add. At one point we were going to do, we were going to add suspension into. That's right. I was looking forward to that. Yeah, there was a little bit of conflict with the venue and uh, <laughs> so people got uncomfortable. Venue. So, you know, again, it's like everyone has a comfort level that I have to also accommodate. So it's like I, I can't always do 100% what I want because people are always going to be like, well, I'm not comfortable, even though it's like, dude, I, first of all, I'm in the medical field. Yeah. Um, second of all, I always do all of my research like 100%. Third, I don't want to hurt anybody, nor do I want to hurt myself. And I don't also want to be known as the person that fucked something up. It's the discomfort of the venues that actually put a stop to it, though. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it'll happen. I'm, I'm meeting more people that want to do things like this with me. So it's like, you know, power in numbers. The more people I have on board with these weird things that I'm trying to do, the better. And I feel like the more, I guess, we can kind of bully the venues a little bit sometimes into it. It's like, no, look, like all of us are on board and it's okay. and Everyone has insurance and it's fine. Um, no one's going to sue. But I think San Diego is... Again. I've reached the limit on yeah, that here. There's probably no place in this city that will be okay with that. No. Not in this city. A lot of cross-eyed looks. I mean, I get cross-eyed looks just by playing yeah. horror movies. And oh, they're just course. movies. And they're yeah. just movies that you didn't even make. Yeah, exactly. Right? I'm just exhibiting. Yeah, movies. it's like yeah. somebody else's opinion, but you're going to get in trouble for it because you should. Yeah, in trouble or just... Or just, yeah, talked about. Stigmatized. Uh -huh. Yeah. Well, obviously, based on some of the things we've been talking about, you like a darker imagery. You yeah. talked about liking to make people uncomfortable. Growing up with the artistic background at what point did that gravitation toward darkness happen was that when you were really young or was it your angsty high school years or <laughs> you know i think i'm gonna blame it on being russian a little bit <laughs> just a little bit like i don't i don't like to uh <laughs> i don't like to blame a lot of stuff on that but it definitely like you have to understand i i moved to america when i was about six mm -hmm. however i stayed in what i call the russian bubble until your I, family yeah, yeah until i moved out of my house at uh 16 17 mm -hmm. and it was like I mean, I wasn't allowed to do anything, mm -hmm. you know? Like, I I had my piano, my dancing. Um, I took, like, math and French lessons, like, outside of school. I also went to Russian Orthodox school Oof. on top of going to regular school. So it wasn't, like, my life was kind of already set for me by my mom. Like, she was like, you know, these are things that you're going to be good at. I'm you picturing her with, like, a tight bun. <laughs> You know, and, and the, the other thing, too, is, like, people are like, oh, your mom's an artist. She must be so cool with what you're doing. And it's, she only likes the pretty parts of it. Right. right. So, and sometimes, and that's the other thing, too, is, like, all of the horrible things that I try to show, I try to make them pretty. So, they're a little bit more palatable mm -hmm. for people, right? 
because you, you need that. There's also something interesting about blending beauty with something that's traditionally not thought of as Exactly, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, So I think being really oppressed in a way, I think it helped to like condense the things that the the, the images and the um, the ideas that I had and really make them into a like a solid thing. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like it was just like it, there were there were all these ideas concentrated and thoughts, yeah. But it turned into this thing because I had to I had to keep it in for so long. Do you find it therapeutic to go into the dark side? Yeah, a little bit. I think I mean the dark side, that term is so funny <laughs> to me because it's I don't really think of it as the dark side. I think of it as being human. Mm-hmm. It's it's just our human nature that we keep trying to suppress because we don't want to admit that we're part of the animal kingdom and mm-hmm. we have these urges and we have these ideas and these needs and desires and we keep thinking of them as sin. Yeah. Right? And it's this endless cycle of like wanting something and either doing it or not doing it and then feeling guilty about it or shameful about it. And it's like, you know, if you're just responsible for your own life <laughs> and what you do, then it's okay. Like, you just have to be a little bit logical and responsible, right? So I don't know if that's really the dark side, but it's it's definitely not it's the definitely, church wants, Yeah, so. well, it's definitely a, a way that it's thought of. It's, yeah. it's very common to, yeah, it's, to hear that the dark part of our natures. Yeah, but it's yeah. just it's just self. It's just you. It's it's your own. It's just your human nature. What separated your art from your mother's artistic perspective oh. then? At what point did her paintings of lilies, which I'm just pulling out of <laughs> there. Well, there are, yeah, there are that See? paintings of lilies. Um, <laughs> she's a very, very classically trained artist. And right. she, she continues to go on that path because that's just... I think being raised in the Soviet Union as a woman mm-hmm. is a very different reality than what I have learned being raised in America as a woman or a... Listening to typo negative. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> And you have to understand, too, like, I was also raised very classically, so mm-hmm. I have a deep love for, like, classical music and classical art. Like, I'll, I will go to the opera and ballet and the symphony in a heartbeat. I, I love that shit. I think that's why we get along so well, because cause so will I, you know, like, because yeah. I, I, that was my focus was classical literature and, and classical art as well. And I bring that to this other genre that's not completely considered part of that and that's why i'll have like a panel on horror and opera you know two years ago and then i'll have your performance at the festival last year because i want to expand people a little bit yeah i get them thinking a little yeah differently right yeah um and i I try to incorporate that a little bit in my stuff like every once in a while i'll throw in like a classical music Mm -hmm. piece or an opera and definitely the use of ballet I think the sound and the lines and the shapes that classical training creates sticks better in your brain mm-hmm. somehow because it's, I don't know, it's, it's old and there's a reason why we do things the same way sometimes, right? Because it makes sense mathematically. Yeah, so, our brains pick something up on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of comforting in a way. So I think using that and putting on top of that something that's completely different and that's maybe uncomfortable, creates a good enough balance where people will um, understand it and, and maybe think about it later. Well, combining some of your uncomfortable imagery with 
style issues and, and being on point is, is really interesting. It's a, it's like a very, it's a very inhumane way of moving. However, it's totally within us, which is why we can get there, right? Like, I think before I did Nocturnicon, I watched, uh, like, Tetricot Follies and I watched just a lot of documentaries, like The Lobotomist. The way they would handle mentally ill patients back in the day before they knew anything. And studying the way they move was really interesting for me because it was such an extreme way of moving your body. And it was not unnatural. It was just, we just don't think to move that way. And because it doesn't, you don't see it every day, it looks unnatural. It looks unnatural, yeah, yeah. like the way your back might bend or right. your neck or the way your fingers would twitch after electric shock therapy. Like the certain repetitive motions that happen that your brainstem makes your body do are, I think, really beautiful, but also kind of weird and scary because mm. we don't, we just don't see that. We, that's not a normal. Well, you see that imagery way. used in horror film a lot because yeah. it is kind of unnerving. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like I've I've learned to dance a little bit from that. From well, watching. haven't you incorporated a lot of that into Nocturnicon? Yeah. You've got the the straight jacket performance and. And then there's the one with the with the, um, the the crutches. Yeah, the, uh, the, the bracey brace crutches. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, I I think that people need to know that that exists. And where do you see representing that versus appropriating that? Like mentally ill. Yeah, yeah. No. Um, what would well, be your reaction? What your response to that? I try to I try to be as respectful as possible mm -hmm. whenever I represent and I say represent really loosely because we all represent ourselves mm -hmm. but whenever I try to represent any group of people like I did another show called Coven that was all about Wicca paganism and then we did a black mass and that mm -hmm. was you know, a lot of satanic subject matter yeah we'll come back to the black mass yeah I, I always try to do as much research as possible mm -hmm. um, I also have a lot of help with the research from mm -hmm. other people because I can't do everything myself um even though i tried to because i'm kind of a control freak but i think that i don't really target any particular individuals mm -hmm. and i always do it to myself so I, I don't know if that makes sense but it's almost it, it's almost like a mockery of myself so i try to put myself in the position of if i was it seems like person. you are finding yourself in those movements, in what you see, and, yeah. and that's what you're communicating. Well, that's art, right? I mean, you take yeah. one thing; it's it's abstract art. You take mm -hmm. the you take the one thing that's a solid idea, and then you you make it, you abstract it, and you make it so that you can you can still tell that that's what it is, but it's you can see it from other angles and in different ways, right? People have difficulty with abstraction, don't you think? I think so, yeah, yeah. but I mean, uh, take an art class, right? <laughs> Watch a YouTube video, I don't know. <laughs> don't be such a literal bonehead. Yeah, like, it's, it doesn't all have to be so, so literal, yeah. exactly. Um, I feel like we're going more toward this cesspool of literalism. Yeah. Maybe, and maybe, I mean, maybe you don't see it in performance art. I sure see it in film. It's in performance art as well. I see yeah. it, I see it there too. Um, I think people, get really mechanical and really technical mm -hmm. which is it has its place definitely mm -hmm. but you you can't always be in that like you have to once you're comfortable with that that's when you start to break the rules and that's i think what 
that's I think that's where I am mm-hmm. in my artistic journey is I've I've gotten somewhat comfortable with the right way of doing things. So now it's like okay, well now that I know the rules, now you kind of start can break to break them. them a little bit. Right? That is when you want to break them after you know them. Yeah. A lot of people try to break them before before they yeah, know them, and that's, and that's when things are sloppy. And that's also when people get injured too. To be honest with you, I mean, if you something as simple as fire dancing, which I think is not a not very simple hard, or not hard. It's, it's I don't think it's hard. I think you just need to not be an idiot, <laughs> which I guess you know that's hard for a lot of people. Hard for a lot of people. <laughs> um, in which case, maybe it is hard. But I think if you just took like you know just a few months to like practice mm-hmm. and. Get to know your tools and fire safety and insurance, obviously, if you're going to perform. Um, have a buddy to watch you. You could be okay, but only then can you start to, like, explore with that and use it on your feet mm-hmm. versus your hands or your whatever. Do flushing or eating. Like, you just, you have to just be smart about it, right? And that's with anything. Can you talk about the language of movement and... When you sit down to try to choreograph a particular piece, what is your process like? Okay, so I try to take apparatuses and use them a little bit differently, which is like where... Define apparatus. Really. Oh, so apparatus would be like a like a trapeze is an apparatus, okay. or the, the aerial silks or the lira or, the, or even fire, right? Mm-hmm. Those are all apparatuses or tools that we use to perform with. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm very prop reliant. Mm-hmm. I... Hate performing with no props, and that's just like my personal issue and my my own journey and my stuff that I need to work out with myself. But because of that, I try to get really creative with the props that I do use because I recognize that a lot of people are this way, and a lot of people do the same things, and I don't like to do the same things as other yeah. people. Do you um, think props are apparatus? Apparatuses. Apparatus, I like it. <laughs> uh, do you think that they kind of give you a finite number of movements you can make or things you can do do you think that's why that lends toward yeah, the yeah. the similarities i mean there's only so much you can do right like there's only there are only so many moves you can do mm-hmm. on say like a like a lira which is the giant metal hoop that hangs in the air however it's up to you to make that interesting right mm-hmm. or it's also up to you to take that lira and maybe make it into two liras hanging one on top of the other and then do a duet that way right which is what i did for for coven mm-hmm. um or like that. say like span sets, they're these giant loops, or they're called polyester slings, and they're used for like moving cars and shit. Like they're really hardcore. <laughs> um, also hardcore your skin, by the way. I've lost so much skin with these, <laughs> and in circus in general. I mean, you can just do like a regular span set act, which not a lot of people do anyway because it's a painful apparatus. But yeah. you can also add something like skirts to it and make it immensely harder, but also more interesting, right? So, so you're combining me, the apparatuses yeah. in weird ways. So for me, it's like, again, like I, I'll like go to sleep and I'll wake up with ideas of how to do things, if that makes sense. Well, like would you consider the straight jacket or the crutches apparatuses? Because yeah. those would be those unconventional are, apparatuses. Yeah, it's still a prop, right? Yeah. So it is still an apparatus, and I think it's just... I want to say, like, I, I want to thank my mom and my dad for the artistic background and being able to visualize things because that's really my process is like looking at something and then trying to look at it in a completely different way and trying to look at it in a way where how do I use this pretty Mm. right 
Like anything. You can do that with anything. You can do it with a fucking lampshade. How do I turn this into art? You're sounding like Chekhov now, only with he does literature. (laughs) That's Russian, too. And that's Russian, too. So, again, back to the Russian thing, I guess. It's finding something transcendent in the the mundane. Yeah. And making it just a little bit more interesting. A lot of times I'll listen to music and I just see stuff in my head. So... That's um, that's also another big process for me is just going through music. Like I have so much music, kind of like a music hoarder. Uh huh. Like I have like hard drives full of music. Yeah. It's uh maybe it's a little unhealthy. I don't know. I don't really <laughs> care. I've been doing it. Everybody for years. hoarded hoards something. Yeah, I hoard music like so much of it. I, I love it. And every once in a while, you know, I will be listening to a song or a piece, and uh, just things just start popping into my head at some point it finishes in my head and i try to take that and make it to a physical thing well that um, makes sense if the music is driving in some capacity the movement right yeah it and, has to. um and sometimes it's the other way around where i'll see something and i'm just like i want to make this into a whole you know number and then i have to find a song for it and that's <laughs> kind of actually harder for me i don't know right. why it's um searching for the right perfect song is to go with an image to that go, you already have in yeah, mind. Yeah, because yeah, it has to it has to be the same kind of like vibration, right? Yeah, it's like someone making a music video with just the images uh-huh. and then it's like, all right, write a song to go yeah, with this. Yeah, like, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it always takes me much, much longer to find music to an already pre-existing visual thing. You have combined your show with the burlesque community in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did that come about and how do you match your show to the burlesque? My good friend Lily Holiday mm-hmm. runs a burlesque show. It's a once a month burlesque show. It's called Pink Boombox. And so you knew that pink was going to come at some point. I knew the pink was going to come at some point, and we became friends somehow. Um, I don't remember the details now, but um, we <laughs> blurry, became, blurry, blurry details doesn't matter. We became good friends because I think we're both. We both have kind of a very sarcastic personality. and I don't believe that for a second. I know, I know. Um, she's very pink and glittery and rhinestone-y, and, and I'm like just, you know, black. <laughs> so naturally we <laughs> became the best of friends, um, because in this case opposites attract, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think we're both pretty decent, nice people, and we just really want to do our art. Mm-hmm. So... And we have also both been kind of um, <laughs> treated like the black sheep in the performance community in San Diego. So we're like, well, let's just, you know, join forces and create really awesome, weird shows. And, like, she does neo-burlesque, which, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's not classic burlesque. It's, like, it's, it's cooler. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Another thing that's rising in popularity. Uh, yeah, it is. It is burlesque. Yeah, it's definitely... There are burlesque troops all over the place now. Yeah. She's really nice in the sense that she will let almost anybody that has a act together perform in her shows. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, in SD camp, just, you know, be anybody and like, hey, I'm going to take my clothes off. <laughs> let, let me do it. But, you know, if, you, if you're like, here's my number... And you show her and she approves, then you, sh- you could be in her show. She'll give anybody a chance, which is really awesome of her. And so we met and started working together and it started being part of her shows. And eventually I just kind of started, like at first it was like regular stuff, like dancing and fire, like regular. And then I was like, 
maybe I could do some of my weird stuff here. And she was like, yeah, do your weird shit. I don't care. <laughs> and it just like turned into like this, how weird of a thing can I do in a burlesque performance? Mm-hmm. So I was always like the act between the burlesque. You would imagine like the audience going for the burlesque. Yeah. And then here Wouldn't I come be out, really primed like, for your show. Yeah. I mean, it's like boobs. And then I come out and I have like needles stuck through my arm. <laughs> right? Like it, it was that much of a contrast. So it's like, I have the weirdest boner right now. (laughs) (laughs) You could do that act with like, make them die slowly playing in the background where there's like needles through the boobs. Yeah. There's this scene with hooks through boobs. It would fit. It would totally fit. I don't do burlesque myself, but I have a lot of friends that do it Mm -hmm. and I really love all of them. And so when some of them started coming to me and asking me to be a part of my shows, I was like, okay, but you have to make it dark. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the only way it's going to work. And so for some of them, you know, I've, I've helped them a little bit with their ideas and just kind of coached them through how to move a little bit differently or how to make it a little bit more gross, but still keep it pretty. Yeah, that's kind of how that attached itself to the organism that is my art. Yeah. And it's interesting that you've been cross-pollinating where you lend yourself to Pink Boombox and then some of her burlesque yeah. go to Nocturne Connor. The last show I saw you do do was kind of a bits and pieces of your different shows. Mm-hmm. And, and you had a couple of burlesque there as well. Yeah. Some of the girls really wanted to be a part of it. And <laughs> I, I feel like I started this thing with blood. You did. I yeah. noticed that because... <laughs> Because, you know, I was like, yeah, Anna, Pig's Blood. It makes sense. It makes sense. But then I had to see other people covering this. Oh, my God. She convinced someone else to do that? I didn't even convince them. They asked for it. Holy shit. So I was like, at first I was like, well, that's ah, kind of my thing. And then I was like, hey, fuck <laughs> it. I have so much blood. And I mean, I'm just going to, like, what am I going to do with it? I think when you get to San Fran, though, you got to make it your thing. No I one think else so, should too. Touch it, yeah. Though. Yeah. But it, it is, I'm not going to lie. It's very fun to play in blood. So I don't want to deny anybody of that. Yeah, and it gets everywhere, and it's stinky, and it's actually really great for your skin. Mm-hmm. I mean, Elizabeth Bathory had had she a thing had going. A, yeah, she she, she was knew right. what she was doing. Um, <laughs> I mean, we, me, and the girl that I originally did it with, we noticed after like Nocturne and Connor's skin was like you're flawless. just glowing. Yeah, yeah. We were like, what is going on? Our skin just feels so smooth and like everything like healed really nicely. Take that oil, Volé. Yeah, <laughs> just a little pig's blood in your life. It's fine. <laughs> Find a butcher who's willing to Make go under the table. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I was happy to let them. Anyone who's a Carrie fan needs to see that pig's blood dance. Just gotta say. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's changed a lot. Like it went from just I did it as a solo, mm-hmm. and then one of the other girls wanted to do it with me, and then we did it together, and then we decided for a couple weekends we did it as like nuns. We had mm-hmm. I, I made nun habits and burn myself because <laughs> I hot glued them like an hour oh. before the show. I'm going to bring this up now because it came up. All right, the pig's blood. Do you go to a butcher or do you get that like provided to you through your... Famous question of the pig's blood. I swear to God, if I had like a nickel for every time somebody asked me... That. I know. Well, I want to know like I have... It's like $12 now. Yeah, well, hey, that's a lot of questions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I got a guy. You've got a guy. I got a guy. Do you meet um, him on the corner? He's got a trench coat. He opens it up and there's just like those little quite, blood our, bags inside. Our interaction is very interesting because it is indeed a butcher. Okay. And I have to call in advance and it's this whole thing that has to happen. So it's not through work. It's not from the it's animal not, hospital. Well, it was the first couple times Ooh. because one of the hospitals I worked at did have 
they did have blood for animals for transfusions and of when course. it expired I mean what do you do with it what are you gonna do with it I'll take it home right so, what do they do with it they just throw it in the bio waste but that's unfortunate why when I can use it yeah definitely <laughs> so I would take that I would take that home but uh, after that ran out I needed to find another source so I called around and it was actually very hard because people kind of uh, they get weirded out. They don't know what to do when you ask them for a gallon of blood. <laughs> Typically, right? That's not like a question. Now, is that just because this is San Diego and people are squeamish in San Diego? Or do you think that'll be everywhere? I feel like a little bit everywhere. Like, maybe... San Diego is more squeamish, though. San Diego is a little bit more squeamish. They're a little bit more conservative here, so... But it works better with red on white. When yeah, say, it has to be red yeah. on white. And I think that's it's part of it is like the audience is like, oh my God, you're covering your white dress in blood. What the fuck? <laughs> but it's fine. I, I know how to get blood out of it. And it looks fantastic. How can <laughs> anyone so bitch about that? That is like rule number one. If yeah. you watch an Italian horror movie, there's going to be a blood splatter on a white background. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. I would hope so. See, my only problem is whenever I go to your shows, because it's the only color I own. The black. Is I'm always in black, yeah. and then you end up embracing me covered in blood. Yeah. It's like, well, <laughs> I guarantee you guys I'm covered in blood right now. <laughs> you can smell it on you me, You can right? definitely smell it. Yeah. It comes <laughs> out. I, I promise. Full <laughs> hydrogen peroxide. Do it in the oven. Eat the shirt later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's say you did a piece with suspension, mm -hmm. and your mom saw it. Oh my god, she'd freak out. What would she say in Russian? She would kill me. She would say, "Anya, что ты делаешь?" I don't know what you said, but it was that's what I that's exactly what I wanted to get on audio. <laughs> <laughs> she'd say, "What are you doing?" <laughs> and then it would be like probably some cuss words, maybe um I don't I don't know. She might take me to church. I'm not sure. <laughs> be some arguing. Okay, so recently you did the Black Mass. I recently the did Black that. Mass, yeah. which has yielded some of the best images of you I've seen. But yeah. uh <laughs> that was um I I had been planning this for like I want to say two years I've been wanting to do this. Mm -hmm. Like a solid two years I've been like, I want to do a black mask. I want to do a black mask. Like it just like one day I woke up and I was like, I need to do this. San Diego needs this to happen mm -hmm. in the city. And I wanted to do it the right way. So I took as much time as I needed to. But then at the same time, I was like, shit, I'm leaving. I have to do it right now. I wanted to do it on... Six six fifteen. <laughs> However, no venue. Okay, okay. Let me let me go back a little bit. Trying to find a venue to have that in in San Diego was possibly the hardest thing for me. Mm -hmm. I believe because it. Because I can't lie and say, "Oh, I'm just doing the show." When we're going to be yelling "Hail Satan," <laughs> right? Yeah. So I had to be honest and be like, "Look, you know, I want to I want to do a black mass. Can I use your venue? This is what we're going to do." Like yeah. You have to do that. It's, it's responsible, usually. So um, <laughs> after much looking around, I found finally a venue. And we we did it at midnight, which was... There wasn't any alcohol, and it was at midnight. So I wasn't sure how many people would show up mm -hmm. due to those reasons. Um, and also that it was a black mass. It, and it was interesting because so many people wanted to go or said that they were going to go. But then... There weren't a whole lot of people that showed up, which I expected because it's being a part of a satanic ritual or ceremony is not necessarily the badge that everybody wants to wear. 
Do you think people still have a fear about it? Absolutely. Do you think there's fear involved in that? Absolutely. I still, I still get asked. So when you guys are saying "Hail Satan," do you really mean it? Or yeah. when you guys were doing this, did you mean it? Like, what was going on? Was it really serious, or what was it? Was it just a performance? And the answer is yes, it's both. Yeah. <laughs> because we we did really mean it, but we also really meant it as a performance. Because really. Any religious ceremony is a performance, mm-hmm. right? That's it's, true. It's, it's only as serious as that. It's it is just like a church service where people that are running it know that it's all a hoax, and the people that are there think that it's real, and that's the way it should be, right? <laughs> <laughs> Beth did a story on it for KPBS, yeah, and that one caused her a lot of going back and forth about how to present this, yeah, to a kpbs audience which for anyone listening that is our npr affiliate so it's basically our local npr station so you can imagine the npr audience having an arts and culture segment in midday edition at Mm -hmm. noon on the radio while people are driving to their lunch break hearing a story about a black mask mask? you talk about making things palatable that was an interesting job for her i gotta give her props for doing it in the first place she did a great job i honestly i was surprised when she asked me to to come in and do an interview and Mm -hmm. record it because i was when i decided to do it i was like i just want to do it because i know that there has not been a public black mask done in san diego and I kind of wanted to be the first one to do it because, I don't know, I like to pee on things a little bit sometimes. Mm-hmm. But also, at the same time, I said, if nobody shows up, I don't give a shit. I'm doing this. Yeah. So it was interesting to see who stepped up and the people that were supportive versus the people that backed up and were really uncomfortable. And you kind of, um, it was an excellent bullshit filter. Like, yeah. I really got to see people's true nature. And their real beliefs and their, and their trust in me too, a little bit. Cause it's like, well, you've known me for so mm-hmm. long and you know that I'm not a terrible person. I don't sacrifice babies or, or <laughs> murder kittens or, you know, anything like that. So if I'm doing this, you should probably trust me that it's, it is for art, but it's also, I'm trying to maybe make things better and help people think a little bit in a different way. Well, there's this political thing with the Church of Satanism now. There is, there is. And actually, to be honest, it's been going on for a long time. Yeah. But they seem to be far more overt now, a little bit more comfortable about being out in the public. Mm -hmm. For example, this is something I love that was initiated by this whole, well, by a couple of things going around in the country where the fundamentalist Catholics or Christians want to have the Ten Commandments and, and a city building and in san diego of course we have the big cross and so far you know of course they're kind of winning that battle a little bit but in in i believe it's detroit i like the sound of children screaming in the back while we're talking about yeah that was exactly you i was you said exactly what i was about to say (laughs) i kind of want the child in the back screaming as we do this but uh, (laughs) detroit detroit is pulling out some great statues we've got robocop and now now we have baphomet we've got baphomet which is amazing Uh, yeah so they seem to be successfully going, the, the, the Satanic Temple of Detroit seems to successfully be going, actually has unveiled the monument to Baphomet, yeah. which I think in a lot of ways is just purely in response to 
the Ten Commandments bullshit. It, it did start that way, yeah. yeah. Um, and then they wanted to put the Ten Commandments up. I I'm, don't remember where it was. I don't think it was Detroit, actually. It wasn't. It, it was somewhere else. Right now, the battle is in Oklahoma. Right. I think it, yeah. Yeah, it was Oklahoma. Of course. If, yeah, <laughs> where else would it be? Um, and so, you know, of, of course, they were like, oh, you're going to put your Ten Commandments up. We're going to put up off of it. Yeah. Why not, right? It's because you're claiming it's religious, religious freedom. freedom. Yeah. So, so are we. Great. And then they were like, okay, fuck it. We're not going to put up the Ten Commandments. So they were trying to find a home for the statue. And so now it's in Detroit, which makes me really happy. But I think also there was another thing recently about religious freedom in schools. And they were like, okay, well, if you're going to pass out your literature about Jesus, we're mm-hmm. going to pass out this really nice coloring book. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen the coloring book. Uh-huh. It's awesome. And it's great, right? And so instead of allowing that to happen, they were like, okay, fuck it. We're really, for real, not going to have any religion talked about in schools because they would rather not have nothing, have, have yeah. nothing than Satan because that's, you know, the Satanists are just going to teach you to cut yourself and uh, sacrifice no, kittens. Whatever else it is. I mean, <laughs> it, it, you mean... As ridiculous as it is, you have to, if you, it helps to put things in perspective. I remember in our lifetime in the 80s, yeah. there was all kinds of like literally terrified people about satanic cults. The satanic scare. Yeah, yeah the satanic scare thing. of the 80s was yeah, huge. It was. Parents would be lecturing their kids about it and it yeah. would be on the all nightly the news. and the, the talk shows. Man, it was yeah. nuts. People were actually really scared. Everything was blamed on Satan. Any any weird murder or people were like, oh, I was possessed by the devil. I just see picture, uh, picturing Dana Carvey as the church lady. To be fair, or to keep things in perspective, I think we've grown a bit as a so. society since then. I don't think yeah. people are, at least in the mainstream that kind of scared of Satanism. I think, you know, the 700 called people still are. Yeah. But well, they're afraid of birth control. <laughs> that one's staying in the podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think they're not, but deep down they kind of still are from my yeah. experience. People are like, yeah, yeah, it's cool, it's cool, it's cool. But when it comes down to it, they don't show up or they have something to say where they're backing up as fast as they can. Do you remember what happened when Sinead O'Connor ripped up a picture of the Pope? On Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah, that did happen, didn't it? Yeah, it happened in the nineties. Yeah, that was uh, that was real rough for her. Ostracized. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm wondering if the same thing would happen now. Well, I mean, we rip up the Bible. Right? Well, you do, yes. Yeah. So, like, um, what kind of do you do you ever get like someone coming up to you after a show when you rip up the Holy Bible? Well, but people still, you know, associate wonder... this block of pages with their spirituality. It's this old book. And it's been translated so many times. It doesn't like there. What is the meaning in it anyway, right? It's it, what you make of it. So, and if people associate that with their spiritual journey in their life, then yeah, of course they're gonna be offended. But things only have as much meaning as you give them. Mm-hmm. So, I think by ripping it up, we try to demonstrate that that it's just a fucking book. Yeah. I mean, it's free. You find it at hotel rooms. Come on, It's still guys. the most best-selling book, it's even though most, it is free. It is the best But nobody listens to the Gideons. That's why they don't you get know, it out of the hotel room. People don't even read it half the time. They just <laughs> That's it's, true. It's just like this book, and we're taught at such a young age that it's such an important book, and we, we never stop to question why. We never even read it, most of us, right? We're just like, it's this holy book. 
What does holy even mean, first of all? And if you read it, shouldn't you be the one to decide whether or not it's meaningful to you, or should you just go with what everyone is saying? One of the very first stories you hear in that religion is the story of the Garden of Eden, mm -hmm. and the catastrophe that happens when eating the fruit of the tree of knowledge, and... There is a fear of knowledge. There's a fear of seeking knowledge. And yep. so I think that's kind of an integral thing to that is you, you don't question this. This is the truth. This is, you know. But if art can make you question your own truth and your own faith thing, then how strong is your faith really, right? It's like me doing my performance piece on stage with the Bible, ripping it up, if that's somehow making you uncomfortable and, and making you believe less or having you question your faith in any way. Like, what does that say about you? How secure are you in your religious background? It's, it's the same with, like, people that are against homosexuality. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, if you're straight or if you're in a relationship, who gives a fuck? Yeah. It's like being against a redhead. <laughs> what, <laughs> what are you even doing? Well, it comes from these weird, baseless fears that people have. Yeah. And, you know, a very common thing said in religion is you need the fear of God. Fear is like an important component to being a good, a good Christian. Yeah, but good. I think if you're, if you're honest with yourself, then you know what good and bad is. Mm -hmm. And you don't need necessarily to have somebody that's going to tell you that if you do this, then you're going to go to hell. Because then they also tell you that if you do the bad thing and you tell the priest and you, I don't know, say however many Hail Marys and you're forgiven versus actually taking responsibility for your actions. All you have to do is go to church. That's not the right way to do things. It is if they want tithes and if, money. Oh yeah, if they want money. Of course it is. <laughs> have you read God is Disappointed in You? I have not. The is it amazing? It is just the Bible, but it's rewritten. Nothing is changed. But it's rewritten as if someone is telling you the stories in a bar. It's really awesome. <laughs> There's aliens. I like this. I, like, I already like this. I see and a man with a giant penis. There's a man with a giant penis and aliens. <laughs> and it's every book of the Old and New Testament oh, retold, in, retold in common vernacular. I love it. And it's actually really hilarious because, A, people can read it and actually get what the Bible's saying. Yeah. Some of the things that are kind of ridiculous. Gone on the toilet. I like yep. it. <laughs> Reading the weekly world news, too. I mean, yeah. You've got to take a shit, too, right? Mm -hmm. And that's how we were all created. <laughs> yeah. Huh. How clever. Yeah, it's really good. That just happened to be sitting there, and as yeah. we're talking, it's like, ah, Stuff. need to see if you've read this. No, I haven't. I'm going to, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are you going to do when you, when you move to your new home? On your penisula, <laughs> are you going to bring Nocturnicon and Coven there? Or are you going to start a new show, or what? What are your plans? Um, so ideally, I want to do San Francisco Fringe. Um, that makes I'm looking sense. for a venue though, still. So I've talked to Kevin, the director of Fringe, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, they can fill out all the proper paperwork." But now it's up to me to find the venue. So can do that. Then in September, I will probably do Nocturnicon a little bit differently because. Depending on the venue that I'm able to use. A little bit of the occult in there. Um, suicide, all that. Looks like it's alive. Yeah, it's a, it's an organism. It's, it has a heartbeat a little bit. <laughs> I'm hoping that that's going to be happening in September again mm -hmm. in San Francisco. Which will be kind of a nice little like, hi, San Francisco, this is what I do. Yeah. Um, please hire me for other things. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. 
I'm also, obviously, I have to find another place to train at. So, with my circus stuff, like, you mm-hmm. can never stop training. You have a group of I, ladies here. You've I got dancers do. here. You've got performers and circus people here. I do. Are you going to have to find all new people in San Francisco now? I think some of them are willing to travel because it's, it it's is really only, far away. It's an eight-hour drive. It's like a day of work. It's not so bad. Yeah, and you're sitting the except... whole time and find an audiobook and some music you'll be fine oh i guess if you're taking the train you could do that or you can take the train well, if you're driving your own ass you can't do that <laughs> you can read an audiobook you can listen to one yeah. all right i'll give you, you know that what i mean that's all what right. i do shit. i'm just giving you shit because i'm pissed <laughs> off at you <laughs> you can you know you can hop on the mega bus and come visit me it's like twenty dollars yeah so i think some of them are gonna come visit me okay and... And do things with me still, um, but I also will have to find new people. New blood. New blood. Well, it seems like Ariel especially seems to be growing at a very high rate. Is that does that is that right? Ariel. Ar- like Ar- like people oh, who Ariel do it. Art. Yeah, 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 Ariel yeah. art. Like yeah, it's becoming a lot more popular. It's now in like almost all clubs. They have a, a rig and they have like. I don't remember girl. ever seeing that shit in the nineties. Yeah, no, I mean, it, and it because it wasn't so popular yet. It was just Cirque du Soleil doing it mostly, mm-hmm. and they actually made it so much more popular. They, from what I understand, they invented the art of aerial silk. You studied under Cirque du Soleil, didn't you? Um, not directly under them, but mm-hmm. under a lot of. I've taken a lot of privates with a lot of performers from okay. Cirque du Soleil. That's helped me quite a bit. I've been really lucky with the instructors that I've come across in San Diego. Well, that's good. And um, they've really like cleaned up my lines and made my technique better. And well, there's me grow. A, a, a check in the plus column for this little city. Yeah, there there are some good people here in this training. godforsaken Mexican border town. Scott, <laughs> you you just have to learn how to look for them, right? Just yeah. like anything, if you really want it, you have to find it, and you have yeah. to take time out for it. Been really lucky to find nice people that are understanding, creative, and also very beautiful to watch on stage. So. And I'm definitely going to miss them. And if I could, I would package them all in my boxes. And I bet Lavika would fit. I, you know, I think she would fit. And I think <laughs> I think um, I might kidnap her. I'm not sure. Yeah. I might have to have a talk with her mom about it first. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think uh, on that note, we need to bring this to a close. Oh, now. shit. <laughs> but uh, I know it's just so fun talking. This is exactly how I wanted it to be, yeah, by the yeah. way. I just like hanging out. Thanks for it's the first time you've been on on my horrible imaginings I podcast. Think it's the first time I've been on a podcast because ever I actually don't like to talk very much. Oh bullshit! No, it's an I, hour and eight minutes. <laughs> Contrary to that, I like to just make pictures. Yeah, and not use my mouth. Well, so this much, is going to be great. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Yay! Yay. And stay. <laughs> yeah, don't move. <laughs> Are you gonna break my knees? No, no because you need to dance. <laughs> That'd be a terrible idea. Although I bet you could come up with some really interesting dances Probably. with broken knees. Probably, I would think of something. I would have to just remove the kneecaps. You'll be like, you'll be like Pinocchio dangling. I have, like different attachments. All right, that's enough. <laughs>